Welcome to Pyramid to Circles. This podcast is for the leaders and the change makers who have the goal of evolving their company, their department, their team towards more collective intelligence, more empowerment, more self-organization, but who are asking themselves how to make this happen, where to start and how to get inspiration from others. So my friend, today I receive a person who I have been following over the last six years. He's a designer and a facilitator, but I put him in the category of artist. In my job, I meet a lot of facilitators, I meet a lot of consultants and coaches who are really good. But my guest today is probably one of the best in the world in the art of creating a deep sense of connection among people in a group. And he does that very fast. He does it through art, through music, and conversations. He's the founder of Late Night Art, that is a creative learning and development lab. For the past 10 years, he and his team have traveled the globe, delivering over 500 workshops and supporting teams from all industries to improve creative confidence, deepen connection, and break routine uh, ways of thinking. At his core, his work is about humanizing people beyond the roles they play at work. His clients include Pixar, Southwest Airlines, Stanford, LinkedIn, and the California Department of Public Health. So uh, it's a nice portrait, but my friend, Adam, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much, Michael. Happy to be with you today. <laughs> where, where, where are you as we do this podcast? I am sitting in my living room in Los Angeles. In I Los Angeles. Moved, yeah, I just moved here six months ago after yeah. being in the Bay Area around San Francisco for the last okay. 10 years. Yeah. Wow. You, you went south. That's right. So, so I, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing this podcast from Paris. It's 9.30 in the night. It's cold and, and dark. Uh, just, just a sense of how is, how, is it, how is around where you are? How does it look, does it look like? <laughs> <laughs> As is typical of an L.A. day, it's uh, sunny, blue sky, <laughs> and warm. Like, great like almost every day <laughs> that's that's every day that's how we sit in the movies and that's where you are okay so um i didn't say your family name is adam rosendahl uh, of course it's also on the title of the podcast um i i'd made this intro maybe you want to add something to it or do you want to comment to add anything or was it a fair intro uh, beautiful intro yes thank <laughs> you i i feel seen i maybe what i'll add is um i've always identified as an artist and it took a long time before I started to identify as a social entrepreneur yeah. and a business owner. And it's still a title that I, I go back and forth because in some ways, the part of me is an artist that feels a little bit counter or like I've, I've identified myself outside of the business world or the, you know, in capitalist society. And so it's, it's been a journey for me to explore how to be an entrepreneur and how to be a business owner in yeah. our current world in a way that feels really in line with my own values. Mm. It's interesting what you say, because many people actually are, those two polarities between being an artist and being an entrepreneur are two things. And usually we naturally maybe start with one. And many people identify in our field of transformation as artists, and it takes something to own the entrepreneur in ourselves and to make a business out of it, which you did, I think, very beautifully with a lot of creativity and, and, and uh, so maybe we can start with late at night art. What is it? Because it's your creation. And I think you came up with a concept here. Uh, so maybe just, just very openly, what is it? And uh, yeah, and what are the kind of, it brings an answer to what type of challenges or what type of need in organizations. Mm. 
Yeah, so Late Night Art, um, as you described, we call it a creative learning and development lab. But mm -hmm. so we are a team of facilitators that operate in many countries around the world. And we lead workshops really focused around shifting the way people treat each other inside of teams. Um, so we can call it uh, improving psychological safety. We, we, we talk about bringing a creative and disruptive way of thinking um, into organizations that operate in sort of a routine way. And so I think about our organization, Late Night Art, is kind of like a Trojan horse. Like we come in to a team or an organization um, and we, we create a little like a positive explosion <laughs> of uh, surprise and delight and joy that really ripples and impacts the team in all these uh, wonderful ways in terms of building more empathy, helping people see each other um, as the human beyond the roles that they play and just helping people think about the, their jobs very differently. So mm -hmm. the way this actually looks is we lead primarily an hour and a half or two hour workshops, both online and in person. And we use different art forms to help create uh, an opportunity for reflection, for personal connection and for learning. So we work, like you said, with uh, a lot of executive teams, with HR, with finance, with engineers um, across many different industries. And often our workshops are, I think the word disruptive is appropriate because it's very different than the typical corporate team training that people are used to. Um, and we don't quite fit in the realm of team building either because what we do is has a lot of depth and there's a lot of emphasis around helping people change patterns. Mm. I've, I've seen uh, there, are, there are many, there are some videos and I invite our, if you're interested to, Check them out. You do late night on late and it uh, night art uh, and uh, and there I, I remember seeing a guy standing on a table or uh, taking a pose or people you know holding hand as they paint. So it's it, I so it's so creative. And I myself I work with groups for many years and you you, you do this in in corporate environments and uh, and you do it in a very it's in a serious context. Uh, in the companies, so so first that, that you manage to, to 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 expand in a place that is really uncommon, and and uh, on one hand it's solving it's solving a, a you know it's addressing a, an organizational challenge, but then on the other hand it's transforming, uh, it's creating a new state or a new a new way of being together. Um, so I'm 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 curious to maybe ask and many of our our audience are in our audience are facilitators how you. Can you just a bit explain a bit how you do that or what would be the steps or how, how does it work? So, because it looks quite amazing. Yes. So the first thing I tell people is that late night art doesn't happen late at night and it's not about art. Um, I, <laughs> we, we okay. use different art forms like storytelling, yeah. visual art, music, uh, creative writing, and we use those as tools to help people connect to themselves and to each other uh, in a corporate team training context. The way it works um, in person is we have banquet tables set up with watercolor paper and a variety of art supplies beautifully displayed. Uh, so when people walk into the room, it almost looks like a wedding banquet. There's candles and flowers. Um, as a facilitator, I'm at the front of the room with a DJ set up, so I'm playing music. So people immediately recognize that this is not gonna be a typical corporate training environment. Um, the way that things unfold is 
we ask, oh, if, as the facilitator, I'll ask the group a series of questions um, that help, help them ease into taking more risks. So at the beginning, we might just have people sharing things that they're celebrating in their life, kind of getting more comfortable with the group and sharing in front of the entire room. Um, and then actually um, creating a drawing on the table together with what I call a visual conversation, where I'll have two people paired with the person across from them, and they will be communicating without words, but using a paintbrush or a colored pencil and creating a drawing together that over the three minutes or so um, is a visual conversation between the two of them where they're building off each other's drawings. And so this is really a metaphor for what's possible when we are able to um, get out of our head and really step into an experience where two people are creating something that neither one of them could have created by themselves. So it's really an opportunity for collaboration, for connecting with another person through this very unique visual um, modality. And it just gets people into a very interesting new space of possibility and thinking about the other person in a very different way. So that's just a, an example of how we might start things off that gets people into a different, um, a different space. And from there, there's a number of different directions that we can go, but we, um, we would then rotate everyone to the next chair and their next partner, they might have a question where they are telling a story about um, an experience that changed their life uh, in some way that was a, a trajectory, a moment where their things really shifted for them, a fork in the road. And so each person would share a short story and then draw an image that represented what their partner shared. And so again, we're practicing um, mirroring back what somebody is saying helping people feel seen and celebrated. And when they see the drawing that's part of their story, people often laugh. And there's this moment of surprise because they feel truly recognized in a way that people don't often do. So this is one of the, the gifts of the arts is yeah. um, being able to mirror back and help people feel seen and celebrated in a way that sometimes is hard even when we mirror back with words. Yeah, there is there is also in in those uh, in those images I've seen a, a sense of state. Uh, I guess it's building slowly into a, a, a new state, but it seems to be very energized. And there's a lot of laughters, and there's a lot of fun, and uh, and and uh, people are like really enjoying themselves and enjoy being together. It's like they fall in love with each other. Either. <laughs> That's how yeah. it feels, isn't it? Or yeah, no. It's how do you do that? So how, how do you how do you build that? Beautifully put. I mean, the quote that I used to use as a tagline for our business is, if you want to change our culture, throw a better party. And it's uh, by a friend and a mentor of mine. His name is Rick Ingrassi. And what he means by that, and I think Late Night Art is the better party that I've tried to create, is um, it's it's a, a example, like I said, a metaphor, a micro moment um, where we're modeling a new way of treating each other, a new way of um, being empathetic and connecting with one another that is more infused with joy and creativity so that hopefully can serve as a model for when people go back to work that they can draw from this experience. And some of the connections that they've had with people within these two hours really can change their relationships with their yeah, colleagues yeah. over a long-term um, so, so, so the the output would be or the 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 uh, yeah the output of this would be 
new relationships, like renewed relationship, more authenticity, more connection. Can we put it that way? Absolutely. And a big part of it is um, creating a space for collaborative learning. So we create opportunities for everyone to offer up advice and ideas and reflections on real problems and challenges that the team is facing. So we'll just create a model for um, people to look at their team at, almost as if they are their board of advisors, where they mm -hmm. can receive advice from anyone on the team, not necessarily their manager or the leader on the team. So just creating opportunities for people to really see the wisdom in one another and doing that in a unique way. Okay, okay. That, that like you said, is infused with laughter yeah. and joy, but also yeah. creates a space for vulnerability and for people to share things that they don't usually share. How does this uh, translate? I mean, they have this even, and after the next day, they go back to their team and and you're not there anymore. Uh, so do you, how do you know or the impact of doing that on the long term, on the middle and long term in the team? Do you have any, any sense on that for your clients? Yeah, I have created a guide for my clients to take um, some of the energy and some of the tools of what we do at Late Night Art and infuse that into their team meetings and into their um, events and offsites and trainings that they do after the event. So our hope is that we can inspire our clients to become, um, to take on some new facilitation skills and to really bring what we do in this two mm -hmm. hours into the actual way that they interact with their team over a longer period of time. Some people are more engaged than others in taking these tools forward. But um, we also are modeling a lot of different ways that you can use the arts in your meetings. So mm. I, I see that people will take the playlist that we created and they'll start playing some of the music to start their meeting the following day. So there's a lot of little ways that we can, even in a small, small way, give people a little tool like um, a creative writing exercise or playing music at the beginning of their meeting or um, a mirroring experience where getting uh, each person on the team to do a short stretch and having mm. the whole team mirror that person. Mm. Um, these, these little exercises and activities, we've seen people take those and then apply them to meetings and uh, in the days following. So mm. It's interesting because, as you say, I think you're, you say you do it as an artist and you're mostly an artist and then you um, trying to bring this into people in a, with methods or with some tools or, but it's this whole thing is is who you are in the first place. I'd like to maybe ask you, where does this come from? Why do you what what has inspired you in creating this? What is what is it you want to express of you in in in, uh, in late night art? Night art. Yes, I think big question from from a from a really early age when I was thirteen. I had the opportunity to go to a leadership program um, that was about 50 teenagers and 25 adults. And there were two facilitators who created a space over eight days for us to connect with one another through the arts and really created a space of um, true belonging and acceptance. And I think this modeled something for me at an early age around what's possible for facilitation over a very short period of time, how we can actually change the culture and the environment of a group mm. of people that is multicultural, that is intergenerational, that is in some ways you would never expect to become a community and how through good facilitation, through experiential activities and through uh, the arts, uh, combining these three things, they were able to build 
a really deep, almost like family with this unlikely group mm. of people. And I think that, that that organization and that experience really became uh, the trajectory for me in my life to pursue how can I create more spaces? Um, because before that I was an artist and I was always drawn to the arts, but then I really became interested in how can I use the arts to help people connect to each other? And especially people who are not normally um, in, in tune with each other. How can I use this as a tool to connect people across difference, to be a bridge? Mm. And so I think throughout my life, I've always been interested in using the arts, not just to create beautiful things in the world, but really as a opportunity for people to connect. Mm. It, why is it so difficult for people to naturally connect or, or for uh to feel vulnerable or to be vulnerable why how do you what are your views on that because it's funny that we need actually to we need you people like you to create that space and that that state of of connection yeah um, yeah i mean i think we've hit, it sounds obvious question but it's not an obvious question right yeah what, And it's different and it's different in each culture right it's different in mm. belgium it's different in france it's different in the us um And like I said, I've taken late net art and led it all over the world. So we mm. have to adjust accordingly depending on the culture that we're in. Um, but I think when we leave a group of people, especially in a corporate context, in a room, and maybe we give them food and perhaps there's some wine there, and we just let them talk um, for, t say, two hours, um, and we think about what's going to happen. You know, Hopefully, um, there will be some good connections that are made, people will have... Uh, they'll feel their nervous system relaxing and they'll feel a sense of safety. But yeah. often I think what happens is, of course, the extroverts in the room are able to um, be very active and the introverts might start to retreat and become more reserved. And there can just be um, a really big range of experiences that are happening socially. Some people feel great. They're having a wonderful time. Other people are starting to... Um, become you know judgmental and um, starting to retreat from the experience so i think i in most social contexts having a facilitator i think can create the structure for people to have um, the space to really speak from a more authentic and heartfelt place that um, can help an entire group feel seen and heard in a way that often is really difficult if we just let people um, loose on their own devices mm. And so, although I feel resistant to it, I, I have recognized that having a facilitator in the room really can support a group um, in just becoming a more cohesive whole. Uh, and although I think most of us would like to think that we could do that without having a guide or a facilitator or someone who's creating the structure, I don't often see that happening. Mm. Um, and I, I think that having a good facilitator in the room can really expedite the potential of a group and the mm. connection and the possibilities. Uh, and so I've seen again and again how even when a group doesn't believe that they are connected or they don't feel any sense of um, familiarity with people in a very short period of time with um, good guidance, uh, a group mm. can feel extremely connected to each other. Mm. You, you, you said, so there are two elements in there. There is the design and there is the facilitation. So there are like two, two ingredients. So there is what you prepare and then how you show up as a, as a facilitator. So, so maybe my first question will be, um, 
what are the ingredients for you the, that you, you want to bring in a good for a good facilitation in terms of design in, in a design of a, of a process of a conversation what are the key ingredients that you 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 want to make sure that you have so the conversation is actually creating that space of connection and vulnerability and maybe authentic uh, conversations how do you how what are the ingredients for that yeah so you touched on that experience design and facilitation i see as two yeah two, two things special pools of knowledge that yeah. um they work together and but they are different and so the experience design element i always think about um in some ways i need to be working collaboratively with my clients to make sure that I'm mm. designing an experience that fits into their team culture yeah. <clears throat> that's building off the momentum that they've already created. Um, that doesn't feel like I'm coming from a completely different uh, way of thinking and I'm inserting myself into another culture, another uh, business team. And so I always think about how can I be more of a, you know, a team player, a, a collaborator with people and so they can see me as a peer as opposed to being an outsider. And so mm. I think that that comes with um, a lot of intentionality around how we design the experience. And there's a lot that goes behind the scenes around just thinking about the arc of the experience and how do we meet people where they are and not push them too far right at the beginning and incrementally push them so they're taking risks throughout the experience uh, and having opportunities to integrate and debrief mm. throughout. Mm. So. And the facilitation is its own art form because I think we all know the feeling of having somebody come in and trying to get us to do something and not trusting that person and feeling a lot of resistance and skepticism. And, <clears throat> and in, in a European context, I think there's a lot of also just a little bit of an aversion to like the American um, optimism or positivity that can feel forced. And I've, I've noticed that when I work with a lot of groups in France, Germany, Switzerland, they, there's just a reserved quality that I have uh, around sharing vulnerably around, you know, tapping into emotions when I work with the groups of executives. And so I think that it's really important from a facilitation standpoint to also meet people where they are, to use language that uh, makes people feel like seen, and then also to just help um, bring people on a journey that is incrementally building. So not necessarily um, just in putting my agenda on some group, but really working with them and kind of meeting them and then just slowly building from there. Mm -hmm. So, so for you, what is the, um, what the state you put yourself in? What, where do you try to be in yourself to be uh, at your best when you facilitate, when you facilitate. Hmm. Yeah, I was just talking with you about this at the beginning of this interview is mm -hmm. I often before I facilitate, I think about how can I really serve the group and recognize that mm -hmm. what I'm doing is not about me. It's not I'm not necessarily a keynote speaker. Um, it's not about the group paying close attention to everything I'm saying. Um, Although I often am on a stage with a microphone, the purpose of what I'm doing is helping the group answer their own questions, give each other advice, lean into each other for support, and to just drop some of the armor uh, or the masks and to be more vulnerable with one another. So 
the way I can do that is by being real, by being mm. vulnerable myself, by um, not pretending that I have all the answers and creating like, a, you know, pretending to be uh, an inspiring keynote speaker that is flawless and has, you know, had a star studded life, but to really be open about my challenges while also owning that I've been doing this for a long time and building the trust. So it's an interesting place to be able to be a peer, to be on the equal playing field and to create the equal playing field so that the CEO in the room can be interacting with one of their um, new interns and they both recognize that they are both human and they both have a long history and story and to really lean into their curiosity around that instead of interacting from that place of just the role and the hierarchy that is often yeah. created. So. Thank you. Beautifully said. I think it's uh, very interesting you speak really about you being an instrument and in service of, and it's not about you, but it's about the work. And uh, yeah, thank you the way for the way you share it. Um, when you when you do such a process, I imagine some resistance sometime from some people because you start you working with a group with a story with a history, and there are some stories are covered and and but they are still there. And there's a luggage. It comes with some luggages, right? And and sometimes they are not seen and known. They are in the shadow, um, and 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 then they may show up as you are working with this group in the form of resistances, in forms of. I don't know someone speaking. How, how is your experience around that? How you um, how you deal with that? Mm. Yes, I'd say almost you, every yeah. almost every experience there is some level of yeah. resistance, skepticism, yeah. and um, people feeling like this might not be the best use of my time, or I don't have a creative bone in my body, or mm -hmm. you know this is not my thing. So there's a lot of um, stories that people come into the workshop with. And so part of um, how I respond to that, again, is by acknowledging it. So naming that mm. this is present in the room. Um, also that when we have uh, a critical voice that is leading our experience, that's the biggest barrier to us actually enjoying the process. And it's the biggest barrier to trying something new and um, kind of taking on this mindset of creativity. So I invite people to actually have a way of getting them to identify that voice and to shed shed it from their from their experience like actually throw it out of their body um, and I call it your little hater so they are you know expelling this this voice and really experiencing what would this be like to be in this experience with a truly open mind for an hour and a half if you really could let go of your judgments your comparisons to each other your criticism about yourself and about me and about this experience what would that be like um, so that's one one element. I think it's also, again, meeting people where they're at. Like I work with a lot of groups of engineers, and um, and I the clients I I work with often are very afraid that you know my process is not going to fit because people might not be as comfortable sharing or they have a different way of relating to each other. And I think that. Um, it's, it's important for me to recognize the culture that I'm entering into. Mm. And like I keep saying, meet people where they're at. But then I also, for me to believe that no matter what the group of people is, uh, where they're from, what their role is, that um, there is an extraordinary amount that's possible in just a very short period of time. So if I believe that a group can drop, you know, from like a 
two out of 10 in the connection scale to like a seven, uh, even though they might never have been past a five. If I believe that it's possible, um, I'm often surprised and the client and the group is almost always surprised about what actually can happen. Um, wow. There is something that you call creative facilitation. I think that's the word you're using. Uh, I think everybody would be interested to just to hear what you mean by that, because it's like, a, is it like a field of practice or discipline, like a, a sub-discipline of facilitation? Sure. Yeah, I don't think it's widely known. But when I say creative facilitation, I think about um, a body of work and a, a role where as a facilitator, I'm drawing from art space practices like visual art, theater, storytelling, creative writing, um, different forms of music. And I'm using that as a tool in my work with groups. So I'm um, like I mentioned before, it's not it's not about teaching people to become a better artist, and it's not really about the art at all. But it's just a very uh, new, fresh way to work with a group to get them into a different uh, a different mindset, a different way of being. Usually, very quickly can get people out of their head and out of their routine responses that they typically step into in a business context where people are only you know, showing, for instance, 20% of who they are. And by using um, visual art, people can start to express a much wider range of who they are that they would never have shown before. So in some ways, it's a trick to get people to be more fully expressed in front of each other. Can you maybe share one or two of those tricks if in, the, in the, our audience, some are facilitators, some are managers, and they have a team or leaders, and they uh, intervene in groups and maybe they could use a little a little drop of creative facilitation or as you speak about it now, maybe a couple of tips. Would that be okay? Do you have something coming to your mind? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I Just think, to start uh, to play with that. Some of the tips um, and part of my work comes from a body of work called the Creative Empowerment Model, which is um, created by an organization called Partners for Youth Empowerment. And the Creative Empowerment Model has um, four big ideas that I feel like spill into my work and into the beliefs that I have about my life. Um, and so those beliefs are one, is that we are all creative. Two, um, you, you don't have to be a professional artist to use the arts in your work. So I really believe that for anybody who is a facilitator, who's a manager, who's working inside of an organization, they can use uh, the arts and creativity in small ways that can dramatically improve um, the effectiveness of what they're doing and also make it more engaging, more fun, and just mm. kind of surprising, which um, I'm a big advocate for. And three, we all have a valid desire to be seen and heard. So every one of us uh, desires to be known you know, so as we're in a business meeting, there might be 50 people on the line and one person who's speaking. And all of the 50 people who are listening, they have this very valid desire to be seen, to be heard, to be known. Um, and if we're, if we're not getting that, um, people start to, all sorts of things start to happen. They start to check out, become resentful, um, <laughs> you know, like multitask. So how can we just create more opportunities to for people to feel truly seen. And um, I'd say the arts is a beautiful way to do that, that I have experienced. Mm. 
Um, mm. Another, another, I guess, like quick tool or trick I'd say is, is um, just recognizing that as the facilitator, you don't need to be good. You know, it's not. This is not about being um, showing off. And in some ways, uh, if if you are not good, it actually models to your group that you don't have to be. Um, extremely skilled at visual arts to use that in your brainstorming process or to be a um, you know a brilliant writer to use that as a way to to uh, a tool for reflection so those are just a couple ideas have you heard of the tree of life i don't know if you tree of life is a method maybe it's more european one you um i mean because i it's something that's very i think close to what you're doing it's a uh, the idea of um, you're with a group and you and you invite people to draw a tree, right? So everybody has a fizzle and a piece of big piece of paper and some some markers, and you ask them to just draw a tree. And then you would ask them that at the so this tree has roots and there's a trunk and and branches and leaves, and there is soil also, right? And so they you give them a minute for that, and then you guide them through a process with questions for different pieces of the of the tree. So maybe the soil, so the so the the the, the roots are uh, where I come, the people I've met or that have nourished me, that where people have made a difference in my life. These are my roots, and uh, and the soil is what I need to try with the group or in the team. And the trunk are my strengths and my values. Branches are my projects or my dreams for this organization, and my the the the, the leaves are um, the contributions I want to I want to uh, or the the uh, the fruits. Sorry, are the contributions I want to make. To, uh, to 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 my work and the leaves are the my inspiration like the people who inspire me my models so you so you you would you know step by step people would add on uh, and and then they would share that I did this exercise not long ago actually in the US and uh, it was amazing the level of engagement in a, from a team that was uh, in the first place maybe not um, used to connect at this level uh, I don't know if you, it, it, and then I wanted, and I and I wish I had the skills as you have to bring in music and to bring in more, uh, uh, like there is layers of complexity that you can add on and, and, and skills that you can, but I just experienced how much it was powerful just to bring in creativity into a very, in an executive team that is very serious, dealing about very serious issues and how it has opened the dynamic in this team. That was quite amazing. And the experience they had was great. That's, so, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great example. Yeah, and I love, yeah. The, I love the idea of this exercise. It sounds very similar to um, what yeah. I'm talking about and some of the, the activities that I lead inside of Late Night Art. And like you named, there often is a serious uh, feeling, especially with executive offsites of, you know, time is extremely important and people need to uh, maximize uh, every moment. And so creating an opportunity for people to be able to release that expectation and to step more into a creative brainstorming space, it allows for so much more possibilities. Mm. Um, and it just changes the tone of how people yeah. feel. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, it reminds me of uh, an activity I guess I'll just share really quickly is yeah. I do very, very often, especially online, um, what I call journey mapping or the river of life. Uh, and I'll often have them think about um, their journey. If it's with a group of leaders, it'll be their leadership journey. Um, what has gotten them to the place or the role or the, the, uh, the moment that they're in as a leader? 
uh, all the highs and lows throughout their life, the mentors, the conversations, the difficult moments that have actually honed them, shaped them, that have allowed them to get to where they are. And so if they were to think about that whole journey as if it were a river, um, a river running through their whole life um, with waterfalls and twists and turns, and they were to draw that out on a paper and to really highlight three highs and at least one low on that river that has gotten them to their leadership. Yeah. Um, it's a powerful metaphor and a visual that can help people understand each other uh, and mm. what has shaped them. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because the change of mindset, the level, the, the change of, uh, the, of a level of connection from, I say, two to seven, as you said earlier, uh, it's amazing that it's, we, we would believe that it takes years or a lot of time for people to, you know, get used to each other, get close to each other, get intimate with each other. And actually it can happen like this, uh, you know, in a minute. And um, have, have you heard of Joanna Macy? Joanna Macy, she speaks about deep time, the concept yeah. of deep time. Maybe she's not the only one who says that, probably not. And um, that's the idea that we create, as facilitators, we can create moment of deep, deep time. So there is, uh, maybe the time is short, but it can be deep. And in that depth, a lot can happen. Uh, and I think our job is to create uh, depths in time so you can achieve a transformation of uh, in the relationship in, among each other and in, within ourselves in a very short time. And that's, that's, I think that's what you're doing. You're creating very, very deep time. So it's that a lot has been achieved. A big journey has happened in a short time. Mm. And, and I think, I don't know, I, uh, for me, you, I, I would put you as a, as a master in the mastery of deep time in the field of progressing as a collective into, you know, creating connection, being a new group, being a new collective that is, it, that, that is, that is available or that is, that is up to much bigger challenges. Yeah. I love, I love that description of deep time. I know Joanna Macy, she lives in Berkeley where I grew up yeah. and where I've been living. Um, yeah. I've, and so I've, I've done a number of workshops with her, but I, I think about this very often, and I think about the Greeks would distinguish Kairos time to Kronos time, which is a similar idea. Kronos time being you're looking at the watch at 6 p.m. You know, we have only five minutes left in this meeting. Um, in Kairos time, it's 6 p.m., but in those five minutes, it could be an eternity. It could be a, you could drop into the magical um, state of awe and wonder in which you lose track of yourself and space and time. And, and so how do we create more moments of Kairos time? Mm. And I find for me, often that has been in a facilitated environment with a group um, where there's some structure, there's guidelines, and people are able, they're feeling held or safe or um, contained and things, uh, magical moments start to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, what comes to me when I hear you is the word religion. It's a bit strange to, to bring this here. But uh, the notion of rituals in, in religions are a moment for, uh, they're supposed to be, or uh, the intention, I would, I would say, uh, should be a moment of a deep time where there is something happening inside that is transformative uh, and uh, in a short, a short period of time, right? In, in a way, what, what you're doing, what we're doing as facilitators is creating those rituals, those moments where some transformation is happening that is fulfilling a deep need that we have as humans, right, and as collective. Does it speak to you? It's a bit strange, maybe. Absolutely. I mean, I think that we, we think of uh, religion as 
uh, a place where spiritual experiences happen, where people are able to transcend out of their their body mm-hmm. and their yeah. their their normal life. Um, but since so many people, young people, and just the world in general, is think is moving away from traditional religion and more towards um, you know just saying I'm spiritual, not religious, um, and finding yeah. there's a huge trend now of people actually finding the fulfillment that they used to have. Um, in going to a religious service once a week, actually through organizations, though, so through CrossFit, um, through an adult summer camp experience, through um, you know, there's just a lot of other businesses that have almost like a cult-like following that create a sense of community, ritual, and also help people expand to like a, a new level of consciousness. So I think it's very interesting to like take this concepts of what you know, as you mentioned, might have happened previously in a religious context. And actually, what what is it like when we bring that into an organization or a team? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, I also don't like to bring in, like, I would never bring in religion into anything I'm doing, because it's, it's, it's not a big part of my, you know, practice in any way. But I do think that there's something about creating a space um, where people are, they know they're they're operating from a different place. You just, just um, touch a button on, or how do you say that? Touch a button, trigger the button on me. When you say CrossFit, I, I, I love this sport. And um, I was curious to, to, you say they are creating rituals. In what way? I'm, I'm just curious to hear your point on that. <laughs> you mean by, think- by ritualizing sport? Or... Yes, I think that there's a lot of organizations like CrossFit is one example that has um, locations all over the world and where people have a sense of community. They go three times a week and uh, they achieve uh, some level of you know, perhaps euphoria or some like the connection greater than themselves through the workout, through the service, through the, through the, um, the product. And it almost takes the place of, you know, church, synagogue, uh, yeah. temple. Right. Yeah, there's something transcending. It's, it's about being in a collective then that which, with a frame, with a, with a ritual, with some kind of ritualized experience. And, um, and, and that, that, yeah, a ritualized experience and uh, with an outcome. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, the, we're, we're going far. Um, I'm, I'm, I would like to ask you a question. Maybe and we can maybe share on that too. Um, when you, and that's that's a question that I think that is a question for every listener. Uh, when we uh, facilitate a group, everybody speaks in a group. Everybody facilitates or has a moment in front of others. Uh, but we facilitators sometimes need to prepare ourselves. So I'm curious. I know you prepare yourself. So I'd like to hear you on that. Because the more prepared you are, and it's not a mental only preparation, it's also a state, emotional, uh, a presential, the quality of your presence. You don't just, just come into the group like this. There is, you know, it, it, sport people, if they go for a competition in a match, uh, they get in state. There is the mental preparation. So the same for a facilitator, right? Or an artist. Or, so, so what do you do um, to get ready uh, and be at your best? It's mm. a great question. My my ideal uh, before any any day that I'm leading an event, I, I call it game day 
you know. So yeah. like it's like a sport. It's like okay, today's game day. It's time to get into the state, the mindset of uh, delivering a powerful experience, and for me to be in my optimal space. Um, I like to go on a run in the morning in nature, uh, and I try to do that without with no headphones. So it's just uh, me connecting, um, being physical, sweating, getting yeah. some um, of my, you know. Yaya's out, that's what I call it. So then uh, I'll get back mm -hmm. and be before the event, I it's it's a funny ritual, but I always bring a complete change of clothes. <laughs> so with, if I'm in a hotel ballroom or I'm at a company's uh, headquarters, uh, I'll go change in the bathroom. I usually will wear a hat, a top hat that for me is almost like, um, it's like a, it's not like a sports helmet, but it's kind of like a, it's a symbolic, uh, object that allows me to get into this the state of being in the yeah. front of the room yeah. um, kind of changes my own you know sense of self in some way and someone once called the hat like an altar on your head you know so I like this idea of it's like a yeah it's a symbol it's almost like a yeah a special little moment for me I put on my hat I'll look in the mirror and I'll do a, a very short ritual that is uh, first is taking 10 breaths, um, bringing my arms up and down almost in a Qigong like movement, like water is uh, filling up my body and then completely draining out. Um, and then I will call in uh, two people. Um, I'll call in my facilitation mentor, Charlie Murphy, who passed away in 2016 from Lou Gehrig's disease. And he was uh, always a inspiration for me around using the arts in connecting people across difference. And he had been doing that for much of his life. So I call in his life of dedication to this craft that I'm continuing in his spirit, his playful spirit. Um, and then I'll call in my dad, Terry Rosendahl, who um, passed away in 2016. And his dedication to um, just living a creative and playful life and particularly this element of my dad where he didn't care about what people thought about him. So he had a level of letting go of being self-conscious that I, I like to call in for myself before I get onto a stage, which helps me remember that it's not about me. Um, like I said mm. before, I, I'm really here wow. as, an, as an instrument, as a tool to serve um, for the best possible outcome for the group that I'm working with. Yeah, yeah it's then interesting I'll, for you. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. it's not over. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, and no, then, yeah, and then finally, finally, I'll just look at, <laughs> I'll look at myself and I'll, I'll ask to just to call in my highest self to get out of my own way um, and, you know, give myself some like love and affirmation, say, I love you, I believe in you, and uh, let's go, you know. So that's yeah. like my, <laughs> that's yeah. my little ritual. Yeah, and there must be a before and after. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, after, I feel like it's really important for me to look in the mirror and just say amazing job you know mm. <laughs> and mm. really like celebrate acknowledge and recognize you know because mm. it's very easy for me and i'm sure for others to step into all the things that could have been better and to kind of immediately yeah. shift yeah it's amazing that um like so okay you created rituals for yourself that works for you and that allows you to be in a better version of yourself and to have access to maybe more resources and a, you know, a better, just to do a better job and have a better impact 
and uh, not have your ego on the way, as you say, or you hire yourself on the way. Um, but so that's when you come on, I would say it's not on stage, but in the room. Uh, but we are actually on, in the arena of life every day, right? So, so it's a good question. First of all, as managers, facilitators, what, what is our ritual? What is my ritual? And, but also for everyone, you know, how we create a condition for being the best version of ourselves on a daily basis is to just show up in life for family, for colleagues, for, you know, daily. It's, it's really, I also have the same experience as you, where I also have my own ritual. Uh, when I facilitate, I make, I never shed it in the podcast, but I would uh, breathe through, uh, you know, what we can call the chakra, the different points of the body and breathe through those and just to be present. And then I would, um, I would also call the, um, when I'm at the, the chakra that is above the head, I would, uh, uh, called some, um, uh, it's very weird to say that it's very, it's a bit personal, but I would say, I call them guardian, guardian of light. So, so like some, like would, I would, maybe spiritual beings that would be, uh, uh, protecting me, but also those protecting the organization that I'm working for the people I'm working for. And I would, uh, ask the permission. I would, I would ask the permission of, to do guardian angels or those guardian of light of the, uh, this of this organization to guide me and I would ask them respectfully and I would uh, uh, I would ask them to guide me and to 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 yeah, just simply to guide me and then I would ask if they want to I would try to sense if they want to tell me something or just if I just sense something and sometime in that moment I got insight about the group I got insight about maybe something that was near my awareness but not fully in my awareness maybe like in a blind spot that I started to see maybe it was there in my mind, but in my brain, but I didn't really was I wasn't really aware of it. So the effect it has on me is to to kind of get the, the data that I already have, maybe, but not that I was not I'm not aware of. And um and then I, I start I I think of the people and I invite them. I start to facilitate, even though I'm not in the room, I just start to I invite them in the room and I invite them just to, to be there and you know and, and be in their heart as they come in the room. I just invite I just invite them as I already speak to them before. And I do that, and I would, if I don't, if I do it, I'm in a very different space. And if uh, when I start and I open the program, and if I don't do it, I guess I only rely on myself and my skill and my talent, which is very limited, and and uh, and I feel uh, a bit lost. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy the the importance of those rituals, and uh, yeah, just want to share that. Yeah, it's beautiful to imagine you in the room, <laughs> in the bathroom. Do you do it in the bathroom, or like, do you? Can you just close your eyes and step into that ritual? And I do. It could be in the uh, different places. I can do it in my like if it's a hotel in my my hotel yeah. room before I would go. It's a yeah. classic one in large rooms, but nowadays we don't have this anymore. We are on Zoom, right? By the way, I have a question for you, Anna. Um, so I could be on my chair on my desk. It could be in a cab on my way to a place or any place. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, but okay. So <laughs> transition from that, from there, uh, you want to add something to that? No, it's just, I think it's just great to recognize that we all have little rituals. Sometimes they're unconscious even that, yeah. that we do to help us prepare us for big experiences mm. that we're leading. Mm. Cause as facilitators, it's a big energy output for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a, it's actually, it's quite like a, a, uh, a lot for me to hold a space um, 
even even online, you know, so typically I was leading in person for the last two years, it's been all virtual. But if I'm leading a group of 200 people online, even if it's one hour, um, I still feel like the, the image I have is like my arms are open and I'm holding mm. the space. I'm creating a, a room that's big enough for 200 people to be in, to be in um, dropping into a more relaxed space where they can feel mm. more connected. But I feel like I'm, you know, it takes a, a lot from me to do that. Mm. So I need to set myself up and yeah. uh, practice accordingly. Yeah. There's another very simple way. And um, the, the, I mean, you know, Norman Wolf is the father of the concept of a leading organization. He's in the podcast. He's one of the guests, actually the first one. And he, he brings this idea of or this concept of uh, pose, center, and shift. So um, it's a moment of like a little tool to reconnect to your heart in any, any time in the day. So if you're speaking, if you're in a, in a situation or just to reset in a conversation, just to recenter and take a pause, take a breathe from your heart, connect to your heart, and then, and then you will sense the shift and then you go. So this kind of pause, uh, creating this gap, uh, it's a very simple tool that, that I've observed as a big impact, especially when you listen to people. If you listen to people and you're actually post center, breathe in your heart and then listen, you will hear different things. And uh, just, I don't know, I just came to my mind, but that's also a simple ritual. It doesn't have to be in the morning in a, in a hotel room. It can be any time in the day or any, just a habit as well. Uh, we, can, mm. we can have all the time. I love it. Yeah. So um, you, you mentioned your, uh, you work digitally and I'm curious too, because you have developed this practice over the years in a conference room. And all of a sudden, no conference rooms are accessible anymore. And uh, and then you have to work online. So I guess you had to deploy your creativity and imagination to find new ways to do the same work, uh, but online. So I'm curious of what you've learned and what have you learned over this, this last two years of, of pandemic? Yeah, I mean, starting at the beginning of 2020, I went through a wave, as many, I think, people in the event industry did of... Is my, am I going to go out of business? Uh, is yeah, it possible for me to transition the work that I do in person into a virtual environment? Um, I didn't. I wasn't sure if it was possible because so much of what we do is about face-to-face -face connection. It's about getting people off the screen. It's about using your hands in a tactile way and being able to look someone in the eyes. And and so um, I, I took it upon myself to really learn how to become an excellent virtual facilitator how to use Zoom and all of these other platforms in a really practical and also see see how, how much can I stretch the capacity of the online platform to, to have a really powerful creative experience. And I realized early on after a lot of experimentation is that it is possible to create magic, to create uh, peak experiences online. So, so that was exciting <laughs> when, I, when I found that out. And then I really... Um, I began practicing more and more. How can I um, create these environments online? Um, I partnered up with uh, my friend Jenny Sauerklein, who created a practice called Scaling Intimacy. It's a it's a multi day training around experience design that really helps people become excellent virtual facilitators and designers. And so, I um, I co lead this this training with Jenny and a few other facilitators, and have been doing that throughout the pandemic. So we've now uh, trained over 600 people. Uh, and this, this 
practice is all about using the tools that we have to create engaging, interactive, and powerful virtual environments and designing experiences that really surprise and delight people that are outside mm. of the norm uh, of what people would expect when they get into a, you know, a virtual meeting, a seminar, a conference. And so I think by practicing, um, I've been able to experiment and shift the format of late night art to uh, a new, the virtual late night art is very different than the in-person late night art, but it's special in its own way. And it still has mm. a quality of, um, the only word I can use is magic mm, to it, mm. yeah. Thank you. Speaking about your learnings, I'm curious to know, and maybe that will be my last question. Um, what is your edge? What is your edge today as a, as a change agent, as a facilitator? Where, where, where is your edge in terms of learning and development? I think for me, there's, there's uh, an edge around growth i i have been operating as a quite a small business and i think just dancing with the idea of um growth and scale and for what reason um like on one hand the opportunity to impact more people is exciting uh to grow a team to be working in collaboration and to building my business on the other hand in some ways it's more comfortable and, and I can remain agile if I'm a much smaller business. And so I think for me, this um, has just been an interesting mm. challenge as an entrepreneur and um, around my own values around um, how much do I want to continue to expand and grow uh, and also create new products and continue to evolve what I'm doing and how much to continue the mm. momentum of what I've started. So. Um, one one aspect of that is just um, I think like the, the the trials and tribulations that come with growth uh, has been like a a big area of challenge for me. Um, hiring employees, becoming a manager for the first time, you know, really changing my role as a CEO from somebody who's running a business by myself to actually managing other people and um, and really trying to walk my walk. So how can I create a culture within my own company that represents the culture that I am wanting to create when I go into other companies? Mm. It's been like a big challenge and a question for me. Mm. Wow, good luck with that. Thank you. Really good luck with that. It's so amazing. Yeah, that's, the, that's maybe, a, so can we wish you to, to find a way to grow and to uh, find yes. a way to succeed in that? Wonderful. <gasps> Yes. So we, we are reaching the end of this interview. And um, as you know, I'd like to, uh, I, as I love to do, uh, ask you or invite you, if it's okay with you, to give you, to leave you alone with the audience for one or two minutes. And that's a moment of freedom. So you can say anything that you're in your mind, anything mm -hmm. you want. You can also offer our, us a minute of silence and uh, centerness. <laughs> and um, so that will be, that's it. So are you, are you up to it? Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I will cut my mic and remove my headset. So that's you alone. All right, so maybe I'll, I'll just lead a, a very short meditation uh, in a moment for you to put your feet on the ground, to let your back rest against the back of your chair, for you to put your hands and let them rest on your lap wherever you are and letting go of anything else you might be holding on to. 
Just going to invite you to take a deep breath in. Let it out. And what I'd like you to do is to invite you to think about your, yourself as a child. Maybe uh, you know, two years old. And you can imagine yourself playing and laughing and being in a state of complete joy. You know, I think about this, this could be your inner child, your, your young little self. And I just invite you to imagine that part of yourself and to invite that young child um, into your life. You recognize this is a, such an important part of you that still is inside of you. And just to welcome, you know, for me, it's little Adam. It's the joyful, like wild, mischievous little boy who's loves to play. So inviting that part of yourself in. And to also recognize your the responsible adult inside of you, the part of you that is paying bills, that is really focused on um, achievement and stability, and to recognize that side of you, and to thank it, to invite it in, and just to have these two sides of you, um, just to sit together in harmony in this moment, your, your inner child and your responsible adult what it's like to be able to hold both at the same time. We'll take last breath in. And let it out. And I'm back. Thank you so much, Adam, for this moment and for uh, this conversation. It was really great. And thank you for all the inspiration you're bringing and taking a stand and daring to go for these unknown territories and creating experiences in groups in a way that never happened before. And uh, that's a huge contribution you're making. And, and through you, it's a lot of inspiration you're bringing to our field. So uh, thank you for that. And all the best to you in, in your growth of late night art. Thank you, Michael. What a great conversation. And so good to connect with you. So thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening so far. And uh, well, we meet you soon. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.